about chapter 6, uh, which was the feeding of the 5,000 and uh, Jesus walking on the water. And we made some uh, comparisons or connections to Moses and the Exodus. Uh, and this is what opened up uh, John's uh, theme of uh, Moses and the law. Uh, so we will continue on today uh, with chapter 7. So uh, I will ask my typical question, you know, why, what uh, happens in chapter 7? Keith just walked in. <laughs> he didn't change his clock either. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Keith. It's good to see you. <laughs> We're uh, going through John, uh, and we're on chapter seven. We're we're looking at it thematically. So that's uh, several. There's three different versions of uh, of the breakdown of the of the themes. Uh, so we're uh, we've made it to chapter seven today. So, what happens in chapter 7? What event happens? What event happens? Feast of Booths? Yeah, that's it. It's not, it's not an event. It's not a miraculous thing like most other chapters open up with. It's simply Jesus going to the uh, Festival of Tabernacles. And having this conversation with his brothers, and uh, it's it doesn't seem significant, but it is not insignificant. <laughs> it's you know it doesn't kind of make your eyes bug out like uh, you know healing a paralytic, but uh, but it is it is significant. Uh, so and so uh, we see. Uh, we will see from this chapter that his theme, John's theme, is um, answering the question again, why, why did the Logos come? He came to prepare for the Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. So I need a volunteer to do the do- drive-by readings uh, in chapter 7. I can do it. All right, Scott, if you would uh, read, uh, just go ahead and read verses 1 through 14. He would not go about in Judah or Judea, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand, so his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come. But your time is always here. The world cannot hate you. But it hates me because I testify about that its works are evil. 
You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, Where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, He is a good man. Others said, No, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of them. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. Okay, and so what he teaches then is about his appearing, about his origin, and who sent him. And this is uh, sort of in a nutshell in verses 28 and 29. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, You know me, and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. Okay, it's easy to understand what he's talking about when you're reading it, because all the capitalized pronouns. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this would have been puzzling, uh, probably puzzling to his audience, you know, who is kind of set against him at this point. Um, but anyway, with this with this event, uh, John begins uh, a uh, extended look at uh, Jesus addressing all the major feasts found in Leviticus 23. Uh, and of course, that's one of the books of Moses. Um, but he's got to end up with on Passover. John, John's got to, his narrative has to end on Passover. So he's taking them backwards and he's starting with the fall feasts. Uh, which is when the the Feast of Tabernacles is. Um, it is a group of three, uh, and it is it begins with the Feast of Trumpets, and the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles was along with um, Passover, uh, and I think also Pentecost. Uh, all Jewish males were required to come to Jerusalem. Anyway, it was it was a it was a serious uh, feast. Uh, all right. Um, so, in, in, uh, and we see that uh, John makes a note of time and place here at the very beginning. Uh, Jesus is in Galilee, and it is at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, so we do have he he gives us that context. We 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 have some some feel of time and place, but we don't really know where it falls in Jesus' life. Uh, you know, again, you know, a lack of chronology within John. Um, and in verses three and four, we see that his brothers are interested in him showing his greatness. Uh, but what is his answer? His answer is in verse eight. Uh, yeah, uh, I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. So this this re, uh, reflects his answer to Mary at the uh, wedding of Cana. Uh, what is this to me? It is not my, my hour has not come yet. So in the same way that he told her, this is not my Passover. 
he is telling his brothers in a veiled way, this is not my Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, I will come later to show my glory. <laughs> uh, but he goes anyway, just, just like he takes care of the wine anyway. He is just making a point here uh, that he, he is, this, is not the, this is not the time of his return. Uh, Arthur Pink said, of course he went to the feast because he obeyed every Jewish law. <laughs> well, certainly. That's right. He was required to be there. Plus, it says, I don't think of Jesus as allowing his disciples to rule him. Right. He was not. He was not following Mary's uh, uh, agenda at the wedding, and he was not following his brother's agenda here. Yeah, and there that that's a recurring thing in in John's gospel. You see that over and over again, where he's not giving in to anybody else's expectations. That's why I love to play Cotpatch Gospel because they have a whole scene in there with him. Peter's got it all figured out. We're going to get this thing done, man. We're going to get some PR out here. We're going to, we're going to make you huge. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so any other, any other thoughts or questions about any of that? What does the beginning of verse 7 mean? The world cannot hate you. Any ideas? Yes, because I'm involved with the world more than I would like to. Be. <laughs> yeah, no. If you want, if you want the world to hate you, you will well, you know, take a stand for well, Christ. Well, Christ, <laughs> Christ says good. right there, it hates me because yeah. I testify that his works are evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, try that out. Yeah, yeah. even even a, even a manipulation of of the disciples saying, "Hey, you know, you need to get there because, man, you're going to really be great, and people down there that need to hear from you, and man, they'll really they'll really get this thing off." <clears throat> I mean, that's that's a world, world. world. Sure. Who's <laughs> <laughs> so he yeah. speaking to? That's, that's what I was thinking. And he's speaking to his brothers there. Yeah. There. I mean, his brothers. Yeah. I mean, in verse six, it says, "Jesus said to them." Yeah. So I assume it's his brothers. Yeah, so he's letting them know that their way is not. Yeah. That's the ways of the world, and the world is evil. Now, does does everybody's transition use the word cannot? Which one? Where? where? Yeah, King James says cannot. Cannot. Yeah. I, just, yeah, I don't, ESV says cannot hate you. Yeah, well, New, New King James says cannot as well, so I don't oh, know yeah, what. It says cannot. ESV says cannot. It's... it's uh, you know, can and cannot is a very hard word. You know, it's a very definite meaning, but we don't always use it that way. And I don't know how careful the translators were, uh, but um, and I don't know Greek worth a darn. So I don't know if there's anything to say about that. But the world can hate you. You're operating from the world's perspective. The world's not going to hate you. It's almost like yeah. going on now, you know, if we jump into the world, you know, then we, we, we won't be canceled out, you know, so, you know, so, so as long as we, so, so as long as we told the lie, you know, so we'll be, we'll be well-loved. Yeah, it, it is a, it is a uh, far different statement than the world chooses not to hate you, you know. Right. 
it's it's just a stronger statement. So well, there's no place. Well, there's no room when you say cannot. Right. It doesn't leave room. Well, they're not declaring the truth about the world. Therefore, you know, the world right now cannot. There's no verse I can't go to it right now where Jesus says, "World hated me, and therefore you will hate." Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. As as a believer, will be hated by the world. Yeah. So it is tempered. It is tempered by you know change in time and circumstances. Of course, he's talking to his brothers here, probably, and. They're in an unsaved condition here. Mm-hmm. Right. Brothers. Well, they didn't, it says flatly, they didn't believe yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a qualifying verse to Scott's yeah. question. Yeah. They didn't believe in him. And since they right. don't believe in Christ, mm-hmm. they're going to love him. Yeah. Yeah. Although we know for sure that James and Jude came to believe. Oh, sure. <laughs> and maybe all of his brothers. Well, yeah. Perhaps. It would be hard to. <laughs> it would be yeah. hard. He's talking about brothers. You think it's his family is I would take it that way. The Catholics don't take it that way, but uh, yeah, they they believe he had cousins. But Mary, you know, was the eternal virgin. Well, we know James, brother of Jesus. That's what he claims. I guess he could be the cousin of Jesus too. Yeah, they 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 make uh, a very loose uh, uh, translation of the words to mean cousins. All right, well, uh, let's move on. Uh, Scott, if you could read verses 22 through 29. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Some of the people in Jerusalem therefore said, Is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is, speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from, and when the Christ appears, no one one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed, as he taught in the temple, You know me. And you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. Right. So he's he enters into some teaching, some direct teaching about himself and Moses in this passage. Um, and the people's question arises from what he says about Moses and the Sabbath. Um uh, this question: he's, uh, Do they uh, know indeed that this truly is the Christ? Uh, and then he veers into uh, the mystery of this of his second advent, which I'm fully convinced will be on the Day of Atonement. Um, uh, they have a um, oh, and uh, verse twenty three also. Uh, is a reference, a direct reference back to the event that uh, John used to transition into this sub theme, the, the healing of the man on the Sabbath. Um, right, right. It's a reference back to that man. Um. um 
So any 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 thoughts about uh, about that passage? I think he is making here uh, the, this uh, second Advent mystery is uh, addressed in verse twenty seven. Um, when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Uh, I I don't know what they're taking this knowledge from. I mean, it's bound to be someplace in the Old Testament scriptures. But um, the, you see this more than once in the Gospels, and uh, and you know everybody knows that Jesus was from Bethlehem uh, or Nazareth. You know, they knew either where he was born or where he grew up. So this is. This this verse is uh, the statement is more about the mystery of his second advent, and this brings up the pro- uh, problem that the Jews had that they recognized that there was two views of Messiah in the Old Testament. Um, there was one they considered the suffering servant, and one they considered the conquering king, and uh, and so they 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 had no concept of the same person coming twice, you know, I mean, and nobody would. So they, they considered there to be two messiahs. Wow. Uh, and one they called Messiah uh, Bar Joseph, Messiah the son of Joseph, the suffering servant, and the other one Messiah Bar David, uh, the son of David, the, the uh, conquering king. Why, why Joseph? Why Bar Joseph? Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm reading through Genesis right now, and, and Joseph is a, an incredible type of Christ. Yeah. But it's like the whole gamut, first and second. But I think it I think it was the being sold into slavery and uh, wow. uh, and then thrown into prison aspect of his life, where they considered him the suffering, uh, the suffering servant. Wow. Uh, so uh, anyway, that's that's. I had to take a moment to figure out why I had said that, but <laughs> that's that's why I think that's touching on the mystery of the, of the second advent. You know, in some other places in Scripture, this this uh, just sort of makes me like to think about it more. He's plainly saying to them, "I am the Messiah. I am mm-hmm. the real Messiah, and I come from my Father, and you do not know him." I mean, it's just plain and blatant that way. I am him, but you do not know me. You you do not not accept me for who I am. You do not believe. Well, but they hated him. Exactly. (laughs) Think of you know. Think of uh, think of people who whom you hate. (laughs) If if indeed there are any, and do you believe what they tell you? (laughs) You know, rightfully or wrongly. But it's it's good to think about these things because Christ lived with his brothers who were not saved. Mm-hmm. You would think, well, wow! If you live with Jesus, you would get saved. Well, no, not here. No, they, no, they did no. later on. No. Yeah, but yeah. it's who the Father will reveal. Mm-hmm. Christ has to reveal Himself to you, to who He yeah. is, and He was revealing to them, but their eyes were blinded and they could not see Him. Well, there's a moment in I want to say chapter 15, but I could be wrong there, where Judas not Iscariot, <laughs> says, why are you revealing yourself to us and not to everybody? And Jesus doesn't answer. <laughs> it's interesting, all, all those people that we know around that say, they talk about Jesus as being 
good person, a yeah. wonderful role model, a uh, good teacher, uh, you know, someone admire and look up to. Yeah. When they really, if they really took the time to examine, that here is a person who is calling himself God. Yeah. You know, would they, I wonder if they would think the same way. They would hate him. They would wind up hating him. So, so he's on the verge of hate. So long as Jesus, yeah. we can keep him in a little box and make him a nice guy, mm-hmm. you know, and, a, and a, an inspiration, you know, so it's, he's fine. But the second we have to start acknowledging him as a God, mm-hmm. that gets, yeah. I can't do that. You know? well. <laughs> well, let's let's move on. Uh, Scott, if you could read uh, verse 40. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This is really the prophet. Okay, so after all of the teaching that Jesus does in this chapter about the second advent and the calendar feasts, uh, again, uh, the people invoke the prophet who was like Moses. So this is yet another declaration of, of someone better than Moses has come. Um, and then the the, the uh, chapter finishes up with forty nine through fifty one. But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, who was one of them, said to them, "Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does?" So there's this little debate among the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, as you know, were all about the law, which was handed down by Moses. Uh, And so there's a debate about what is the correct use of the law. Will it be a curse or a blessing? Uh, Will they, they, uh, like a kangaroo court, just offhand condemn Jesus? Or will they at least give him a fair hearing? According to the law, and this is Jesus' basic point uh, concerning the Sabbath. Uh, in Mark two twenty-seven, he says, "And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The law of the Sabbath was not meant to be a curse; it was meant to be a blessing." So that's how this chapter ties up. That's the little bow on this chapter. So any. Uh, any any thoughts or comments? All right, then let's go on to chapter eight. We buzzed right through that chapter. Jim wants to say something. <laughs> you, you alluded to a while ago the second advent uh, and the atonement. Could you say a little bit more uh, I think there's a lot of hints in Scripture that Jesus is returning on the Day of Atonement. And it, it doesn't make any sense to me that God would use the calendar of feasts, the first half, and then just throw out the second half. The Day of Atonement was actually the high holy day of the Jewish year. And that was the one day when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled blood on the mercy seat. Uh, it was on 10 Tishri. These these feasts are in the month of Tishri. The Feast of Trumpets uh, uh, starts on the first day. Jesus returns at the last trumpet, by the way. The Day of Atonement is on 10 Tishri, 
and the Feast of Tabernacles is on uh, Tishri 15 through 22. So it's Tishri. eight days. That's a Jewish month. Oh, the 10th month? Uh, probably, probably. I don't know for sure, but probably. 30, 30 day months. So, I mean, that's a different lesson, but there, there are a lot of hints in Scripture about that, but only hints. All right, chapter 8. Who remembers what happens in chapter 8? The woman caught in adultery. Uh, this is an interesting passage because a lot of people don't like it at all as far as part of Scripture. Uh, in some manuscripts, it appears elsewhere. Like uh, it, uh, in some manuscripts, it's in Luke. Um, but... It's in John for a reason. That's where it settled uh, for whatever reason. Uh, it, uh, it is in John because it fits with his themes. The American Standards note says it's not found in most of the old manuscripts. Yeah, it's... it's uh, although, uh, you may remember John Jones went through Sunday school lessons about the Gospels. Uh uh, just kind of overviews of what the gospels are and what what how how they differ and their different approaches and stuff. And he mentioned that this uh, among scholars, this there are other passages that are far more controversial among scholars than this one. So, um, it seems like this is a good tie to what happened with the woman at the well. Where he dealt with another woman who was caught in adultery. Right, yeah, essentially. Well, this is, a woman caught in adultery is in the Byzantine text. Oh. Mostly. Well, I mean, obviously it's in yeah. most Bibles. So it was settled that it was it was part of Scripture you know, by the fathers. Um, so, nothing wrong with it, put it that way. Nothing wrong with it. So the theme here in chapter 8 is that... Uh, the Logos came among us to manifest himself as judge of sin and sinners. Uh, do you, would you mind continuing to read? If you could read verses uh, 3 through 11. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So, uh, this is a beautiful story. Uh, um, and at this point, I'm going to invoke Hosea 6.6 6 again. Anybody got that memorized yet? <laughs> 
I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Uh, and so Jesus here was the last word consider, concerning the woman caught in adultery. Uh, this is a very fleshly sin. Uh, it's easy to, uh, you know, uh, uh, apply guilt, you know, when you're caught red-handed. It is in the law of Moses. They, uh, I'm sure you noticed they invoked Moses here again. Um, but they it does didn't not in- appear they brought the man. Yeah, they didn't invoke him rightly, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is there uh, the a subtlety? Should, the man should be stoned also. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but they caught the woman. They they only saw his backside going through the window. I'm sure. Uh-oh. Oh my god. I'm sure. Uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, uh, so anyway, it's very easy to discern and judge, uh, but Jesus, you know, sees things at a different level from the flesh. Um. Um, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Um, so, Scott, if you'd read uh, verse... Can I make one little quick... Sure. There's an interesting thing I've seen teachers speak of before that uh, I think in the Old Testament says that the Ten Commandments were written with the finger of God. We're getting to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> oops, sorry. You <laughs> get your cliff notes at his class. No, I, I will... I will affirm that. In a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, is that they brought them, and they must have they must have seen his compassion toward the people. That they thought that they could trick him oh. in this, because they, you know, which is a nice thing. Mm-hmm. To know and to see that that's what they seen. Yeah, they that was trick, that was her intent. Never worked, did it? <laughs> <laughs> he he seemed to have an exquisite understanding of the law. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why. Okay, so verse twelve. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, "I am the light of the world." Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, so this is maybe sounds a little bit out of context from what he just did. I mean, it's certainly true, but uh, I mean, how do you get from there to I am the light of the world? Uh, but uh, so his judgment, uh, light exposes judgment uh, and or death, you know, through judgment. And it exposes grace and life. So this is his, he is the light who, that is able to expose and judge. Uh, and, you know, we can go back to 545 again, which is another thing I keep going back to. Do not think that I shall accuse you of the Father. There was one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. So he's not the accuser. The law is the accuser. Uh, he is the judge, you know, that is perfect light. Uh, you know, there's no such thing as dirty light either. It's what? A dirty light. There's no such thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> dirty light. It's of dirt. If you see it coming through a window, you see all the dust particles floating around. Yeah, it exposes the dust. Yeah. Okay, so, Scott, verse 2, read... Uh, 
verse 2 again. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Okay, so they're still at the Feast of Tabernacles. And he's still going to the temple and teaching. And, you know, if he's teaching, then it's uh, chances are very good that it is the law uh, that he is teaching about. And so they bring him a matter of the law. Uh, and, uh, let's see here. Verse 5. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. So... Uh, Officials are giving over judgment of the woman to Jesus. They're saying, what say you? We know what we want to do, but what do you say? So they're, they're basically giving him authority to make the judgment. And that's the way it works out. They think they're trapping him, but he has trapped them. It's, uh, it's like Star Wars with a twist. It's a trap. Uh, and so they drop, they drop their stones and walk away. You know, they drop their judgment and and walk away from it. You know, because uh, they're the crowd too. They're watching all this. So they're yeah. just speaking mm-hmm. around and watching them have the stone and bring it yeah. around, throw it down, whatever. And then they watch them sort of slowly walk away. Yeah. And then there's just Jesus, yeah. the woman, and the rest of the crowd. And that's when he maybe tells them about light. Yeah. So again, I mean, I'm just bringing up this verse because again, it's it's this connection to Moses and somebody greater than Moses is here. Uh, it's like Moses gave you the law, but now the right interpreter of the law uh, uh, is there. Uh, and we just read somewhere um, to judge righteously. Uh, and I can't even remember where that was, but I know I just heard it. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, uh, I think it, it's well, anyway. It makes me think about uh, 51 in chapter 7. Yeah, in, in chapter 7. Those are all about Yeah, I think it was the word of Christ and talking about uh, judging rightly or righteously. Uh, I'll, I'll have to go back and try to find that. Uh, okay. Uh, Scott, if you could read uh, chapter or uh, verse six again. This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. And Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. Okay, so this is what uh, Greg was bringing up. He writes with the finger of God, mm-hmm. just like the law. And that verse is Exodus thirty-one eighteen. And he, God, gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So again, we have a connection here with Moses. Uh, They are receiving a message written with the finger of God. And it's also a link to creation, uh, the hand of God manipulating the dust of the earth. Uh, Genesis 1.9 says, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. This is the very first appearance of life, and it is coming up out of the ground, out of the dust of the earth. Uh, and then, of course, in Genesis 2.7 
Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Then the man became a living creature. So, again, uh, God manipulating the ground uh, or the dirt that he had created out of nothing. Um, The first three days of creation story is all about separating things, particularly light and darkness. Uh, which is uh, speaks directly to verse 12 here. I am the light of the world. Um, he was the light of the world from the first day in creation because the sun and the moon were, were created on day four. <laughs> so, uh, so the separating of things, light and darkness, uh, sea and, and firmament, you know, or, or the two... Uh, firmaments and water and land. This is the work of a judge dividing rightly. Um, And then finally, with uh, uh, yet another uh, uh, reference to Moses or connection to Moses, Exodus 18.13 reads, The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. So Moses was a judge. Of the people, you know, he he played many many roles, and one of them was to judge matters between them. So this all ties. This is all a very big old mass of connections <laughs> between Jesus the Judge and Moses the Judge. Uh, so, any any thoughts about that? Well, I think here in this story about, that we just read about this woman, uh, it just you know, illustrates again that mercy triumphs over judgment. Yes. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the big thing. Yeah. That's what we should be on our faces on yeah. every day thanking God for. Yeah. Because yeah. all of us, yeah. if, if, he, if he took us for what we've done at this oh, moment in time, we all know. We're toast. We'd be burning right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. mercy is what just really um, strikes me here as well. Jesus was loving this woman. And, and the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And these scribes and Pharisees were trying to accuse Christ. They didn't believe he was the Son of God. But how convicting they left where the light separates, you know, where Jesus separates light and darkness, they went back into darkness. Because they didn't care about this woman. You know, they left this boat with the finger and all. But his love and compassion, she believed in him, and he saved her. So it, I used to think, and I guess I'll do the we should never point our finger at someone else's sin, but confess that we're sinners and with someone that we're witnessing to or whatever, and then the love of God. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful picture of salvation. Yeah. And we see that he has mercy on sinner, on a yes. sinner here, yes. but not on sin. He says, "Go and sin no more." Um, so, on the, the finger of God, uh, I think it's important to recognize that in the Old Testament and here in this New Testament, it's very particular to say the finger because it could have just said "written by God." You know, and right. it could have just said Jesus just began to write in the. But it says, you know, his finger. Mm-hmm. The Greek word is "doctulos," very specific. Yeah. 
Well, and, and uh, John's doing that on purpose. He's making that connection. Uh, Holy Spirit doesn't do anything randomly, um, although it seems like it does. <laughs> All right, let's let's plow ahead. I'm going to go a little long, and so we can finish up chapter eight. Um, Scott, if you could read verses fifteen through eighteen. You judge according to the flesh; I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself. And the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Through 19? Uh, 18 is fine. So this is, this is the more that I, I mentioned uh, a while back. Uh, Jesus is the rightful judge under the law because he operates above just the flesh level. Uh, he's, he's, he's God. He sees it from the God level. He sees into hearts. Uh, he sees uh, more than just what is apparent. And uh, what follows that passage is a, a long discourse on sin, uh, but also a lot about the Son and the Father. Uh, and then uh, he turns to the officials who brought this case before him and starts to talk about their father, which is in verse 44. You are the father. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. <laughs> That's rough. Uh, so what does Satan do day and night? Well, he does that, but what, else, what does he do that's directed at believers? He accuses day and night. Uh, so they brought this woman before Christ to accuse her. So what role are they playing? <laughs> They're playing the role of their father. Now it's pretty easy to accuse anybody of anything, you know, and you and you likely will be right. You know, I accuse you of sin, Mother Teresa. <laughs> uh, That's why you have to agree with your accusers very rapidly. Yeah, yeah. Before you get well, to court. Right. You're right. Yeah, exactly. And then he goes on uh, after verse 44. He, he goes on uh, um, more about truth and lies and again separating between light and darkness. Uh, this again is another reference to the creation story. Uh, and all of these things are within the purview of a judge. So, I mean, it just keeps going on and on and on about Christ is the, is the righteous judge. All right, Scott, verse 50. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Okay, so the Father has judged if Christ is worthy or not of glory. So what did the Father say about whether Jesus of Nazareth was worthy Luke three twenty two. Uh, so the, the the Father, God the Father, has judged God the Son worthy, uh, and so He is uh, He has been given all judgment. Which is uh, I don't have the the notation here, but it's we read early in an earlier chapter. 
And we finish up this chapter with uh, verse 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So this is yet another connection uh, to the stuff of the ground. The uh, chapter begins with a stoning and it ends with a stoning. And Jesus prevents both of them. Uh, he, he desires mercy and not sacrifice. Those rocks might start crying out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now be careful. Be careful with the rocks. Yeah, I think a lot of the how dare Jesus visit the devil. Well, that was rough. Yeah, that was rough. You are of your father the devil. That, that was rough. Um, I've heard Jews say that there's really not that much of an idea of Satan in the Old Testament. But, uh, I mean, it may be not in the Old Testament, but certainly in the Jewish sensibility, or Jesus wouldn't have said that. The book of Job is pretty Well, Lucifer, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, that's it for today. Thanks so much. Uh, let us go prepare to worship.